<laughs> I I come from an upper an upper middle math family. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Stargate Weekly. I'm Stuart Hollis. I'm Sad Hate. And this week we are discussing season one, episode twenty, there but for the grace of God. Yeah, and Stuart and I are both excited because we have discovered that we literally have dozens of listeners. Yes, dozens of listeners indeed is very exciting times and full dozen of Twitter followers. That's also exciting. Yeah. We're on the up and up, man. Mm-hmm. That's how we be. Uh, let me give you the synopsis. Jackson is pulled into an alternate reality, one in which Earth has been invaded by the Gould. I mean, that's pretty accurate. Yes, it doesn't... It doesn't give too terribly much away. I feel one of the things that got me about this episode was it wasn't until 25 minutes in, I didn't write down the exact timestamp, that we finally get the, you know, there's a multiverse theory conversation. Right, but... I feel like as soon as he stepped out of the gate, saw everyone there wearing some sort of jungle pattern air force yeah, what uniform what was that about i've never seen that before like literally in my you life you know what it reminded me of like hunter camo a little bit it's very definitely um so at a certain point around this time that this episode aired which would have been 98 sometime february 20th 1998 yeah um, around the time of this the, this episode aired. Wait, did you have like have... actual paper notes? Of course, I have actual paper notes. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I I have notes too, but they're electronic. Was around the time that the Marines were starting to transition to their digital camo camouflage. I think the Air Force was transitioning to their newer camouflage pattern. Mm. The army was a few years behind at this point and the navy just sort of rolls with whatever the marines do um basically the only people in the navy who wear what we traditionally think of as camouflage are special forces or cbs i mean that might be true but if that's true then the last ship gets a lot of things wrong because like all the officers wear that you're talking about the blue stuff now right yeah right that's the last ship ship takes place in modern day yes i'm talking about in 1990 ah yes oh no that's absolutely correct having watched a lot of jag and uh right in that case the only people wearing what we thought of as camouflage which back then mostly meant green and brown yeah would have been special forces or cbs yeah yeah that's yeah you're right sorry i forgot we were talking about the 90s yeah we are. No, you're right, because, uh, yeah, because, uh, you know, I watched a show about the Navy in the 90s, and I have watched a show about the Navy today, and yes, what you just said is correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, in my personal experience, I have never seen green and brown Air Force pattern. I don't know that I've ever, like, in person seen anyone in any form of Air Force uniform, actually. For me, personally, it's the, it was a, like a, desert or urban i'm trying to remember exactly what the colors were it was like a grayish brown a grayish tannish uh pattern that sort of pattern where they have like the like the streaks i guess as opposed as opposed to the splotches Mm. Uh, it's kind of hard to describe for me but basically what we saw in the episode just now but in more of a urban or desert color shading Mm. now we have seen on sg1 before and we will see again people in what i consider what i would call 90s army camo 
Right. And 90s army camo, you know, and we also saw a 90s marine camo. Okay. Is there much there's of a difference? A, yes. Oh, okay. there's a different pa- yes. Uh in the coloring, which is hilarious coming from me, uh <laughs> and the general pattern, how much green versus how much black there is for example well thank you for joining us on 90s military uniforms weekly (laughs) getting back to the episode yes we open with them stepping through the gate and we get back-to-back episodes of jack doing a little bit of a bit as we come through the gate good morning campers as is his want Uh, yes i just enjoy that it was two episodes in a row Hmm. well i just enjoy jack in general so yeah absolutely okay so they come through the gate like honestly it feels like they're in a museum yes which is definitely uh played out with i guess it's jackson's or was it sam's gift shop joke sam said gift shop found a souvenir shop sir yeah okay it feels like a museum they're walking around there's a lot of stuff just everywhere and jack comes across a scary mask thing yes the thing that I picked up on on my second watching was that when Jack calls Teal'c over, Teal'c spends his entire time walking over to him, looking at everything except the big mask thing, which mm. is what I think Jack had his flashlight on, even. So, yeah. And it wasn't like he gets over there, sets himself, and then looks at the mask, takes some time. Like, not a ton, but like a little bit of time, and then it's like, we should go. Yeah. So, meanwhile... Daniel, and I find this a little surprising. Uh, they're checking out the the gift shop, as it were, mm-hmm. and Daniel's commenting that these are things they've brought back from different stories. He like recognizes all of them. It's like, what are the odds that this planet went to the exact same worlds that Dan- that SG One has been to? I had not considered that at all. The only thing that I really touched on were there things that I touched on were a that he said, I think this is a lab of some sort, and Sam's response was, like, why would you know that? Or something to that effect. I was like, no, he didn't say he knew it. He said he thought. Yeah. But the secondary function, was the other thing that I touched on was, he says, cuneiform instead of cuneiform. Mm. I thought the cuneiform was the more correct thing. There's also, I've also heard it cuneiform. I don't know if there is a cuneiform way to say cuneiform. Ah. Or it's probably just one of those things where it's it's a relatively uncommon word, so people don't know for sure how to pronounce it, like us. Very true. Uh, let us know if you are an actual proper anthropologist. Or an ancient Sumerian. Indeed. And can tell us how to pronounce that word. Yeah. We care. We do. Deeply. Not, like, enough to look it up, no. but if you send us an email and tell us, that would be great. StargateWeekly at gmail.com. So the other thing, uh, getting back to the 17 Museum, this is also back-to-back episodes with them stepping through the gate into an abandoned and advanced uh, room, planet, building, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so th- that I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I had the, That even, hadn't even occurred to me. But yeah, good call. I also touched on when... You know, hey, Daniel, come take a look at this. Do you recognize this writing? No, no, this place is definitely alien. You don't say. <laughs> well, sometimes they do recognize the writing, though, so. Right, but they're stepping through the Stargate to another planet. They're all definitely alien. Yeah, but it's not that weird of a thing to say. Fine. So what gets me is that Jack 
doesn't tell Daniel why they're leaving. Yeah, I that irked me too. That he's Dan, Daniel's like saying why they should leave, and Jack's like, I don't want to hear it, and like, dude, you could at least say planet's radioactive, yo. Uh, uh, right. It's whatever scenario they're in is not so dire that we literally need to leave right this if second. If it were, could, it would be too late for them anyway. Exactly. It. He could have taken a second or two to explain himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that bugged me. And I, Daniel was understandably irked as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So then Daniel touches the mirror, stuff happens, and he comes back to the gate, and the team's gone. He's like, I hate when this happens. Like, this is a common thing. Do they... Leave Daniel behind on a regular basis? Yeah, I picked up on that too. Maybe he was referring to, I hate when I randomly touch alien technology I don't understand and bad weird things happen. Uh, I feel like he didn't, yeah. I mean, maybe he was referencing fire and water where they left him for dead. Maybe? Maybe. Yeah. So then he goes through the gate and comes to not Earth. Well, I suppose it is Earth, but not the right Earth. So, as we record this, we're in Season 3 of Rick and Morty. When you listen to this, I really hope that it's Season 7 of Rick and Morty, because that means that Rick and Morty forever. How long were you planning to take to edit this episode, man? No, but like a few, no, a listener, like in the future, oh, okay. coming, discovering the podcast for the first time. Hello, future listener. I hope we have flying cars now. Uh, discovering for the podcast for the first time, maybe they have season seven of Rick and Morty mm. and flying cars. Sure. Right. Anyway, where in Rick and Morty, they have the designations about the different alternate realities because they're fully aware of and understand multiverse theory yeah. and getting, you know, jumping straight to the very end of the episode. How do we know for sure that Jackson returned to his original reality? The same thought. And it's even worse in a future episode about the alternate realities. Right, because this is not the first time that we're going to deal with this mirror. I don't know if it ever gets a fancier name. Maybe Quantum Mirror? Quantum Mirror sounds right, but I don't know if it's ever named that. Okay. Yeah, this is not the first time that we're going to experience... Well, actually, the mirror is a blue link on the Stargate wiki. So, yes, it is the Quantum Mirror. (laughs) Boom. Yeah, this is not the first time we're going to see this mirror... Uh, this is not the first time that someone's going to touch the mirror, even though they don't. You mean this is not the last time? It's a quantum mirror. It could also maybe not be the first time. But once you find that out, then it, then it, you don't even know anyway. This is not the last time that we're going to be seeing the quantum mirror. Uh, Schrodinger's mirror. Yes. <laughs> Getting back, you know, talking about the mirror, Jackson's waving his hand in front of it, and he has no reflection. Obviously, he's a vampire. Sure, yeah. It would explain the whole, you know, coming back to life thing. Yes. Because unless he gets staked through the heart, he never really died. That's true. So as is important much later in the episode, it takes Jackson eight and a half seconds. Yes, I timed it to dial Earth. Mm. Their stupid computer program has no hope of out dialing a dhd i i didn't time how long it took but yes i that was my thought immediately because you you're done yeah <laughs> so jackson steps th- back through to not earth mm-hmm. and who does he encounter uh he encounters colonel george hammond yes and if george hammond's career is so different in this universe that he doesn't make two star general yeah this is a wildly different universe than ours. Yeah. And if 
Samantha Carter's career is so different that she doesn't even join the Air Force. I feel like there's the potential that that could have been a minor thing. Maybe. Whether or not she'd still be involved with the Air Force is a whole other thing. My other thought is, would someone as old as Hammond still be in active duty if he hadn't become a general? Huh. That's a good question. Because I know generals basically hang on forever, but... Maybe he got recalled because, oh, by the way, the Gould are attacking Earth. It'd be weird that he would get recalled to... Yeah, maybe. We also... Can we also talk about the fact... I mean, this is future knowledge, or technically past future knowledge? Future past knowledge? We also know that Hammond may, in fact, spend his entire military career in Cheyenne Mountain. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, that is definitely future past knowledge. <laughs> uh, yeah, and speaking of other differences, Walter, who still doesn't have a name. He's just an airman. An airman wearing a sweater? Oh, speaking of Walter, there was a goof in this episode. Okay. Uh, when they were dialing Chulak, you hear Walter reading off the Chevron. At one point, you hear Walter say, she- I don't remember which number, I didn't write it down because I'm you know, not as focused on the details as you are, apparently. Uh, you hear Walter say, Chevron will say four, encoded. In the edge of the frame, you see Walter sitting at the computer, not moving. How much movement does he need to do to encode the Chevrons? He's not talking. You can clearly see his mouth is not moving, is what I'm saying. Oh, that's what you're saying. Okay. <laughs> uh, granted, that probably would not, that that would not have been on the frame uh, for fourth. So that's probably why, but it's still... Much like Teal'c snickering last week. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So Jackson is at the SGA. Yes. Did you also notice the thing in the briefing room? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I remember that actually from the first time I'd seen the episode. Well, la-di-da. I don't know why I remembered that from the first time I'd seen the episode, but I did. Okay. So Jackson's back at the SGA, Mm -hmm. not the SGC. I don't think we ever learn in this episode, if ever, ever... Administration, I'm guessing. Oh no! Actually, sorry. I'm look again. I should just look at the computer screen in front of me. It's the Stargate Association. That's lame. Actually, I don't know if that's accurate either because when I click on it, it just links to the Stargate Command page. So I think that may have been the person writing this wiki article just coming up with a name. Gotcha. I'm gonna say Stargate Administration because that sounds better. It does sound better. It sounds more American government slash military. Yeah, Catherine Langford is there. Uh, who's the same, uh, and it's the same actress who played Catherine Langford before on SG-1. Uh, In Torment of Tantalus. Yes. She'll appear again. Uh, it's not the same actress from the movie, but I think we went over that. Which we pointed out in Torment of Tantalus. Yes. 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 Catherine's there. Catherine's there, and she's talking to Daniel, and Daniel is revealing some stuff about things that he shouldn't possibly be able to know. Assuming he's... From her perspective. Right, yeah. Not obviously from our or his perspective, because if he knows them, he knows them. Yeah, and I'm still not sure that Daniel realizes this is an alternate reality. No, he doesn't. Like I said, it isn't until 25 minutes of the episode, and this is not me being irked at you, this is like me being irked at the episode. It's not until 25 minutes in, and Dr. Samantha Carter laying on him the concept... Oh, uh, fine. Laying on him the concept of, well, you know, some people speculate that actually blah, 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 nerd, 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 multiverse. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. 
Was that maybe less part of the, you know, zeitgeist in the 90s? It had to have been. Like, that's the only explanation I can think of for why he walks through. No one knows who he is. He's put under arrest, run through an MRI against he against his will. General Hammond is Colonel Hammond. Colonel O'Neill is General O'Neill. They're all in uniforms. He's never, he and literally no one else on his earth have ever seen before. Yeah. And all, and it isn't until twenty five minutes into the episode that it's like, wait a minute, you you're saying it's alternate realities are real? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. But you know what the main thing I take away from his meeting with Catherine is hmm. his little "I'm a member of SG One" dance. Mm-hmm. That was really weird to me. A little bit. Anyway, and that mm-hmm. and there's the one scene where Mitchell destroys his room. Yeah. But anyway, we'll get to that in several years. Yes. Yeah. So. Catherine takes him to Jack, mm-hmm. and, you know, Jack also doesn't know him, and blah, 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 they, they're still, you know, trying to, they're still discussing things. Daniel reveals uh, that he knows the address of Chulak, which is the Jaffa homeworld. Uh, this is where Dr. Carter comes in and talks about the multiverse and all that, and it's uh, it's kind of sad that she's just Dr. Carter, because now she's not Captain Dr. Carter. Dr. Captain. Was it Dr. Captain? I have no idea. It's just, you said one thing, I wanted to say the other. Ah, fair enough. So do you think Carter was wearing a wig or extension? Oh, you know, I had obviously noticed that long hair versus short hair. Right. I had not thought about the mechanics of the long hair versus short hair. I'm betting wig is pro- was probably easier. Yes. Yeah, almost certainly. Um, when he's calling out to, to Jack to say, you know, like, oh, your son died and this, that, and the other thing. And I sort of feel like if Jack's a general then he didn't quit the Air Force after his son died. He stayed in. Yeah. So either maybe his son didn't die. Yeah, and we do have an alternate reality in which Jack's son doesn't die even farther in the future than on ending. Yes. Which also I was thinking about uh, when we get towards the end of the episode and Jackson's trying to explain why everyone in this reality needs to be willing to sacrifice any semblance of their survival, even a little bit, in order for... Yeah, and I... Yeah. I wasn't on board with Daniel on that one. Mm-mm. And I thought it was weird that it didn't take him all that much convincing to get everyone else on board with him. Yeah. Yeah, sure, maybe his reality hasn't been attacked yet, but should they maybe still try to save some of the people in this reality? Exactly. If he was also providing some sort of option where, tell you what... Let's get the next group of beta site people together. Or heck, just send Daniel through to the beta site and then they and can... Then, yeah, yeah. Exactly. One way or the other, Daniel and a group of people who either go to Museum Planet, as you put it. I can't remember what the designation was. P3R233. Yes. Either Daniel and a bunch of people go to P3R233 and then the group of people dial themselves to the beta site or the opposite mm-hmm. there's, there's there's no reason why it needs to be an either or once they have managed to and this like i'm glad this occurred to you because it had not occurred to like that s- simple solution to here's how we you know we can apparently only definitely dial this gate once and then we're gonna blow up the base so yeah i don't know maybe there's a longer cut of the episode that no one will ever see or know about where they also have a little bit of a thing of, and we don't even have anyone else to send to the beta site right now because we somehow managed to evacuate the non-essential personnel even though we couldn't dial out, and the president blew up. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, it, I, that whole thing bugged me. But anyway, yes. they had to do it for the, uh, you know, plot to make sense. Yes. So this is also, this with this episode, we do have a first. In addition to it being the first of several alternate reality episodes, it is the first episode where we learn that the Stargate can only be open for 38 minutes. Yep. Made that note too. Because <laughs> uh, obviously we knew this. Yeah. There's literally an episode of Atlantis named 38 Minutes. And it's definitely something that comes up time and time again. Ah, and this is something I didn't notice uh, since we're on Minutia. Uh, when, they, when they're showing the map of where the gold have attacked, mm-hmm. it's an outdated map. It shows Czechoslovakia. Yeah, I definitely didn't notice this. <laughs> and what do you mean, since we're on Minutia? <laughs> 38 minutes doesn't count as minutia? No, when are we not on minutia? Oh, I get what you're saying. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, getting back to the president blowing up mm-hmm. and staying on minutia, do you really think it would just say Air Force One on the on the, the, the tracking screen? No, it would say like some sort of like call letters or something. Right. The other thing that I was wondering about was below Air, For- Air Force One, it said 23K42M. And I'm pretty sure those are not, or would not be the call letters. Man, the Italian name for this episode, it continues to just be super on the nose. Yeah? Universi Parallelli. Universal Peril. Parallel Universe. Oh. Like, yes. come on, man. So anyway. Sorry. I'm sorry. Since you just utterly ignored my thing <laughs> to talk about Italian. <laughs> And I probably butchered the Italian, so feel free to write in, Italian listeners, feel free to write in and complain about that. It wouldn't surprise me if we have Italian listeners, since we apparently have Russian listeners. Absolutely. Record yourself saying the Italian title of the episode and send that to us. Yeah. Go for it. This is an audio medium. Yeah. Maybe we should set up a Skype number so people can leave us voicemails. No. So the 23K42N. Yes. I don't know what it is. Because it does not make sense as altitude. No. Because for one thing, they wouldn't bother including the 42 meters. Could it possibly be that they use, uh, in this alternate world, they use a completely different uh, longitude and latitude system? Ah, golly. Uh, possibly? I mean, I feel like I'm reaching for that, but... Right, especially because Cheyenne Mountain is at 38.7417 by negative 104 by 8339. They'd have to be using a wildly different lab. lab Okay, well, the prime meridian is is arbitrary. Sure. The equator isn't, obviously, but... You know, they could have just. They, I'm just saying, it could be. But if it was, if there was a change that drastic, then we would wouldn't have everything else be so minor. So yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, there's also the the problem that okay. So let's say it is kilometers and meters. Which again, why would they be nearly that specific about the meters altitude? Mm-hmm. Right. Twenty three kilometers is just over fourteen miles. Yep. Which is seventy five thousand feet. 75,459 feet. I don't know how high planes fly. I honestly don't. If they were saying... They were saying that the flight was what? Like 10, 20 minutes out? Oh, right? so they should be already, They should be coming in for a landing. Well into their descent sequence. Right. I'm yeah. honestly not 100% sure what the operating altitude of the 747 is, but I bet the internet knows. 
And the internet tells me that a heavily loaded 747 probably doesn't have enough thrust to get to 41,000 feet. Hmm. So no, it doesn't fly at 75,000 feet. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay, so it's just random numbers and letters they put on the screen to look cool. Yes, that's what we're going to go back to because we have spent way too long talking about her already. (laughs) So let's talk about it some more. Do you think maybe the 42M is an inside joke? Answer to life. Answer to life, the universe, and everything? I mean, maybe. Okay, and now we're done. Now we're done talking yeah. about it. <laughs> if it so, were 47, I would think it was. Not to life, not to Hitchhiker's Guide, but to, um, I don't remember the name of the college, but there's some college that has like a 47 society, and a large number of uh, Hollywood and other writers uh sneak the word 47 into everything so sort of like the a114 thing in a lot of animation yes okay and we'll put that in the show notes the both the 47 society or whatever the actual number is in case that is wrong i'm right but i don't it might not be called the 47 society and a114 well if i type 47s in google it, it one of the options is 47 society so that's probably right so what else did you touch on in the episode um i think i've got all my notes yeah i've already gotten you want to just keep working through it yeah i suppose so okay uh so you know they they discover that they're they talk about the alternate reality and oh at, at some point during this process we learn that the gold have attacked earth because uh, an airman comes in and tells mm-hmm. o'neill that philadelphia and uh washington have just been destroyed no that's sam We've lost Washington and Philadelphia, sir. Oh, does Sam tell him? Okay. Yeah, when Sam is first rolling in. Okay. Um, yes, so we, yeah, we we do find out that the Gould are attacking Earth, and it's very, very bad. Yeah. And Daniel start, uh, at There's some more exposition and talking about stuff, but uh, Daniel does also mention the planet with, with the mirror, and mm-hmm. Carter is like, oh, I've forgotten the name again. P3R233? Yeah like we've been there and they reveal that they got a radio transmission from that planet yes and they give the radio transmission to jackson who's listening to it and he's makes some remark about what it sounds like and catherine says we couldn't make heads or tails of it or something to that effect and he says oh well that's because you never heard it spoken on abydos like dang jackson bringing the sass well we can probably assume that in this universe they blew up as abydos Yes, so Dan- but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, totally. We can also very probably assume that Catherine didn't go through the gate to Abydos one way or another. Ah, yes. And also, regardless of whether they blew it up, no one spent... Well, actually, because they blew it up, no one spent a year living on Abydos. Right, yeah. So, yeah, and it turns out that the message is, beware the destroyers they come from, and then a series of numbers that is most likely a gate address in numeric form. Yes. So 4, 8, 15, 16, 23, 42. Were those the... Okay, was that the numbers from this episode, or were those the numbers from Lost? Lost. Okay. <laughs> I don't have the I don't have either set of numbers memorized. The, I, I don't have the lost ones memorized. I had to double check it. I just remembered that it was um, the pattern of them was interesting. Mm. Uh, yes. So they figure out the numbers. Figure out the oh, I guess that's the gate address because there's six numbers. Uh, and two things stuck out to me. One was a ha, 
funny and one was a, oh that's actually kind of important in a long-term sort of way mm-hmm. uh the the ha one was well i have the alien gate on tape and all i'm thinking is ha tape mm. a keyboard a keyboard how, how quaint, quaint. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but the other one was that symbol may not be on our Stargate. Yes. So that, to me, seems like a kind of a big deal. It also makes a ton of sense. So here's my thought. We know the at is at the top of the Earth Stargate. The ring moves. It does. Never mind. How many symbols are on a Stargate? Uh, 38? I don't remember. Let's, let's say 38. Oh, but I'm going to call out a goof then. Uh, because, yeah, you're right, the ring moves. Uh, when they're dialing out, uh, I believe when they're trying to dial the beta site before it, and it doesn't, and it fails, um, or it, it might have been at some other point, but at one point when they're dialing out, like, one of the middle chevrons encodes, and they show the, like, thing going down on the at and coming back up. They show the, <laughs> the at, but it's not the, it wasn't the last chevron, it was one of the middle chevrons. Oh, oops. Yeah, because I don't know the chevrons for earth off the top of my head but i know the at only appears at the end or the chevrons oh well no oh right the at could actually appear in duh this is you know whatever planet the at could just be one of the chevrons you're right the at could be one of the chevrons except from my perspective how i'm looking at it is and this is from the movie and they do explain it a little bit in the show but they but james spader actually draws us a picture in the movie yeah i don't think we ever get in the show not up until this point, certain whether or not at some point later someone's going to draw that picture again, I don't remember. Oh, by the way, listeners, we should explain that when we say "at," we are referring to future knowledge. Um, the yes, the uh, <laughs> the symbol for Earth. Yes, the what people would normally call the Stargate symbol, probably the the A without the crossbar and the degree sign above it it symbolizes a pyramid with a moon over it yes yes it does and at one time probably had dudes on either side of it. a couple little guys there exactly <laughs> so yes in a future episode it gets called out that all of the symbols on the stargate actually correspond to an alien language and all have a phonetic accompaniment and the symbol for earth its phonetic accompaniment is at yes so, getting back to our conversation. Mm-hmm. In the movie Stargate, James Spader, as Daniel Jackson, explains to us that if you need to find a location in three-dimensional space, you need six points. Mm-hmm. So as to define... You said you needed seven points. Well, no, six for the destination. And a point of origin, yes. Uh how much sense does it make? You've taken physics. Is that accurate? I did not study three space in physics. Ah, okay. And in Calc 3, I remember nothing of Calc 3. Mm. I remember nothing from Calc... I never took Calc 3, but I don't remember anything from Calc 2, so... Well, Calc 3 did deal with three space, mm-hmm. um, but I... here's what I remember of Calc 3. All of a sudden, halfway through the semester going, what the hell is happening? Mm. That's how I feel in most, high, most higher math, really. <laughs> well, no, because the lower higher math I was fine with. The lower, <laughs> the middle math? <laughs> yes, yes, middle math. I, I come from an upper, an upper middle math family. <laughs> God, that's so true, actually. Um, so, 
how much sense does it make, getting back to actual Stargate, how much sense does it make that one of those six symbols that's defining the box of space in which the planet to which you are dialing exists how much sense did it make that one of them would also be the symbol for that planet? On the one hand, I can kind of get it. Okay, so it's my understanding that a Stargate address is this, that if you're dialing, you know, Earth, you use the same six symbols from any planet in the galaxy, and then you add the point of origin. Right. So, yeah, I mean, sometimes... That was my understanding as well. Sometimes you're going to have to repeat symbols. There's no way around it. So, now we're getting to what I was thinking about before. I refuse to believe that every single planet in the entire galaxy has its own unique point of origin symbol. Well, no, that's definitely true, because I think there are 38 symbols on a Stargate, Mm -hmm. which means that there could only be 38 planets right we do definitely get like like the separate that some stargates are different than others though which is weird and i'm not sure how that works okay so assume i did this math right and someone can at me if i did it wrong Um, share on you yeah uh so if there are 38 symbols on a stargate one of them is the point of origin which means that there are 37 symbols remaining and you need to take six of them to dial something Mm -hmm. so i don't know the proper way of expressing this but basically you're doing a partial 37 factorial yeah so it's 37 36 35 34 33 32 Mm -hmm. which if i typed it all in correctly on the stupid calculator on my computer uh comes out to just under 62 billion combinations. Okay, so then we get back to the issue that I've had about Stargate from the beginning. Why do you have to hit a symbol for the point of origin? Why doesn't the DHD... Like, it makes sense why the why the Earthens need to. Yes, but why, instead of hitting that seventh symbol, why can't just hitting the big red button be the seventh symbol? For real. No. I, I, I 100% agree, and I definitely feel like we've had this conversation before. Yeah. Which surprises me not at all. We've had many of our conversations before, and if it's about Stargate, we've definitely had this conversation before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we've had even more about Stargate, yeah. Spoiler alert, listeners, Stuart and I like Stargate. We tolerate Stargate. It's okay, I guess. So let me tell you about some more things I tolerate in this, tolerate in this episode. All right. <laughs> we get an opening sequence scene. Towards the very, very end, the last few minutes, when Jackson goes running into the embarkation. Mm. Straight out of the opening sequence. Yes, it is. You're right. Uh, Just before Colonel Hammond dies, his weapon runs out of ammunition, and he looks at it as if to say, why have you betrayed me? And then he dies. I didn't notice that. And I, I, this is not the first time I've seen something like that, where someone's in a firefight in a movie or TV show, their weapon runs out of ammunition. And they, like, look at it. Mm. Like, why isn't this gun firing? It's like, why do you think? And I suppose, like, it makes sense that you should maybe be checking for a jam. But uh, I, I don't know. Looking at it seems, like, it seems like the wrong first instinct. Ducking, maybe, is the right first instinct. At the very, very, very end, Jackson was clearly gone for a while. Because there's another team now on P3R233. I didn't notice the second team. There's at least one or two other people in the background also sort of wandering around. I mean, it was clear that he had been gone for a while because they were looking for him. Yes, but there was one one or two other people in the background. You think he was gone for that whole same amount of time? That's the only thing that I that makes then sense. What were they? 
Because surely they had looked everywhere they could have and had left at that point then. Maybe they... Hmm. Okay. Does time run at the same speed? Well, no, it has to. Because <laughs> if it didn't, then... Like I said, that's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah. Or is it like a Narnia thing? I mean, it wouldn't be nearly as extreme as Narnia. But, yeah, but if it were a Narnia thing, the then... The odds of Daniel coming through the... No, because it was the same, like, time period in the alternate universe. We think. He never verifies the date. At no point does anybody say, Oh my god, I can't believe it's insert date here. And Jax is saying, What do you mean? It's actually supposed to be... Or even the day of the week. Like, no one's like, you know... Oh, Alright, sure. Gould are attacking. Just like a Monday. Sure, no, you're right. But... Here's the thing. If time doesn't run at the same speed in the different universes, like, even if it's off by, like, a second... That adds up. Yeah. That's... Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. <laughs> so... No, no, you're right. After, you know, however many, you know, you know, after 4.7 billion years... And just imagine, just imagine if this, in if in this alternate universe, that, you know, like the Illuminati or whoever hadn't wiped out those six or seven hundred years oh yeah the dark ages that didn't exist that's right yeah man except the you know chinese uh dynasties totally blow that out of the water yeah let's put that in the show notes <laughs> conspiracy theory I, I will i love that conspiracy theory it's pretty good i i have always wondered what the end game is though exactly right i love it because it like, like it hurts no one um yeah, so uh, the rest is all like little, uh, like you know, like little details, like little uh, nitty gritty stuff. Uh, how does Teal know what a camera is, such that he wants to blow up the camera? Mm. Uh, I hadn't even considered that. Why is the Jaffa cannon crooked? They give like a straight, like right from the nose shot, and it's and it's all it's it's crooked. I also hadn't noticed that. I did notice Teal's top knot obviously yes uh for any of the hipsters listening top knot is superior to a man bun but only by a little bit neither one is something to strive for and neither certain people can pull it off teal can pull it off i thought he worked well with the top knot in the cape you know it, it was better than the uh soul patch much better than future soul patch yes now here's a question would the soul patch have been better if it was black instead of white yes mm. easily but no, for the most part, that's what I had. Uh, this this episode definitely uh, kind of blew my theory out of the water from last episode. I don't remember your theory from last episode. That when we come across... I don't listen to you. Wow. That <laughs> if we come across an episode that we both really enjoy watching, maybe we won't have nearly as much to talk about or maybe complain about. Uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff that happens in this episode. I think. But there was, in fact, a ton of interesting stuff that happens in this episode. That has long-term repercussions, potentially, for the show. Yeah. Certainly it has immediate repercussions. Yes. And hopefully we'll actually be aware of them moving forward. And we can call back and say, hey, remember how we had an idea that maybe this would have long-term repercussions? No, apparently we were wrong. Yeah, and I feel like we're having a long episode this week because we're going to have a short episode next week. We will potentially have a short episode next week. Hey, you never know. Maybe we'll have, you know, a lot to talk about. But right. it, next week is the first appearance of a recurring character. Yes. So let's wrap it up. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we ever actually like told the listeners how the episode ended, but eh. Oh, no, you're right. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we can we can cover that quick. So 
as we discussed, Jackson goes back through. He's obviously been gone for a while because there's additional people beyond the remaining three members of, of three beyond the remaining three members of SG One looking for him. He did also get shot as he was going through the gate. And Teal points out to us that it was from a staff weapon. Yeah. And Jackson helpfully does not point out. Yes, yours. Yeah. And Jackson. Yeah, I bet it has the same energy signature as the one that Teal has, and the one that shot up the gate room. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah they go to move jackson and get him back to earth he's like no we're in grave danger but there's still not a problem with going back to earth i mean it's actually probably like the better thing to do is head back to earth now yeah perhaps jackson should tell them that they need to go now and not explain himself yeah but no, that means Jack's going to get sent through a dimensional mirror if that happens. And that was the episode. Yeah. Jackson gives him the warning and credits, where we see that Gary Jones is still a technician. Yeah. In fact, in German, the title of this episode was Invasion Part 1. So I'm wondering if German... Is politics Invasion Part 2? I... Somehow? Maybe German does. the German version doesn't have politics? Because otherwise, yeah, we've got... The like, Germans have politics, they just had an election. Yeah, because, I mean, cause does this mean, is Invasion a four-parter in the German version? That'd be wild. I'm gonna... Four-parter, dang. I mean, Atlanta said a three-parter. I know, and Enterprise had numerous three-parters. Yes. Uh, officially and unofficially. Yeah, well, Enterprise had a 22-parter. That's fair. Stargate Universe had a 40-parter. I don't know if I would say that. <laughs> no. Okay, so I'm I'm now checking. The German title for... Yes, Politics was Invasion Part 2 in German. So okay. now I'm going to see what Within the Serpent's Grasp was. Invasion Part 3. All right. So that all... Uh, there's got to be... The Serpent's Lair has to be Invasion Part 4, right? Yeah. No. It's Battle for Earth. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the episode. It ends just right there with the warning. Yeah. And that was our episode. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, favorite, subscribe, comment, tweet, email, tag. But not call us, because Stuart doesn't want us to set that up. Don't call us. If you really want us to have a voicemail number, send your tweets to Stuart. Yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah. Tweet at Stargate Weekly. And I'm Gamicus on Twitter. I'm Tyrannicus on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook at Stargate Weekly. As we said earlier, StargateWeekly at gmail.com. Send us your feedback, your comments, your thoughts, your rave reviews. And you can find the show. I mean, presumably you already found the show, but if you're looking... <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> if you're looking for the show, um, you can find all the episodes on StargateWeekly.com and you can subscribe on iTunes or Google Play or, well, anything that takes an RSS feed. Yeah, it's sort of like the warnings before the movie you legally bought. Yes. Don't steal this. <laughs> Feel free to steal this podcast. Yeah, I mean, sure. Hey, you want to do like cool remixes of our podcast? I welcome that. Yeah, and that's it. Told you it was going to be a fun episode. Yeah. It was.